Welcome to the Culture Cast, ladies and gentlemen. I can hear the music in the air. The music of our childhood is ringing through. I'm Dwight Couch, and with me, as always, the Simon to my Garfunkel, the Hall to my Oats, the Jazzy Jeff to my Fresh Prince, the oh. one, the only, Mr. Jason Shepard. So Uncle Phil's throwing me out of the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. how that's going to go down. Okay, I get it. That's fine. But you got the cooler glasses. Well, that's, well, yeah, Jeff was cool, man. So, uh, speaking of that, have you, did you watch the new Fresh Prince show? Uh, no, I, I had no desire to watch that. Um, I don't know if it's any good or it's not. not that I, just, I liked it. I'm going to watch really? the second season. I watched the first season. I, I didn't like some of the, you got to get out of the mindset of what you, what it was and look at it as what it is. Yeah. But if you can do that, it's good. The, oh. the, the actors do a really good job. So Jazzy Jeff uh, is portrayed in, interestingly, interestingly, if I can talk uh, in it. And so is um, Jeffrey. The, the okay. Butler. Really? It's really good. Uh, but anyways, I digress. Um, you know, before we got started here, Jason, this, this stupid computer kept making me change my password. Did it? So I went with hi hat. Well, I probably wouldn't tell everybody that, but well, it the, the computer then proceeds to tell me that the password can't contain a symbol. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I should have known. Like I should have known at this. Point. I can't believe you didn't know. You went all in. Like, well, you shouldn't be giving your password out on national television, Dwight, or YouTube, or wherever the hell, Twitter, Facebook. What are you what drinking? Are you, I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> you remember when I told you a while back, a few episodes back, that I was uh, boozing on a budget? Right. Budget over? We're doing that. No, budget's still running. Uh, tomorrow's tomorrow's payday, so the good stuff comes in. But uh, <laughs> tonight, it's just a good old bush light. Loved by deer hunters and NASCAR fans worldwide listen and that's not a i'm not dogging anybody listen that's just that but and there's nothing wrong with this stuff let's keep going because i feel i feel like maybe someone got offended like really like because man that's my that's my go-to oh shit no anybody who's drank beer has has had to uh had to drink the bush the natty but i used to drink natty ice like it was going out of style because you could get it for five dollars for 36 cans now, here's the deal about that. Like, I'll go, I'll go bush light, but I will not stoop low enough to go um, to go natty light. I just can't. Oh no, man! No, so so you're beer snob? Not necessarily. Uh, no, yeah, no, 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 no. I'll no. do the bush and the Pabst, but you know, I'm out on some natty. And like Pabst, Pabst is a push too. Pabst is a real push, but uh, I don't I don't drink uh, beer at all anymore. Really? Uh, Occasionally, I'll have a margarita or something, but that's about it. I'll do a Pabst. The thing about Pabst is it was good enough for John Travolta and Urban Cowboy. So it's good enough for me, I guess, if I have to. It's American staple. It's American staple, man. Yes, but tonight. Go ahead. No, I interrupted you. So Chris is out. Puke? No. (laughs) No. I tell you what I used to like was Corona. 
I would I no. would drink a lot of Corona back in the day with a lime. Yeah. You know, yeah, Corona's was, uh, good. It was a good beer. It was light. I think my stomach does better with uh, lighter liquids and clear because my I love bourbon, but it it tears me up. Yeah, see, I can't do any liquor, alcohol, or anything like. That. Um, Corona, Corona's got like a nice light beer out called Corona Premier. And last summer when I was at the beach, uh, in our beach hotel, like up on the roof, there was a there was a pool, and I spent a lot of time in that pool and. A lot of times nobody was in that pool except me. So like I would take like a 12 pack of Corona premieres and just throw them in the pool and then drink them. And when I was ready for the next one, I would like swim over to the next one. Like it was great. Man. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Just swimming over to my next, my next Corona premiere. It was awesome. It's like playing uh, Marco Polo by yourself. It really, really is. It was fun. Yeah. I don't know hard anything ciders. about any hard ciders. He loved, even, man, no, I, yeah, I, I like ciders. I like ciders. Um, only had a few. Cider Boys is really good, actually. But I will tell you this, and it's not even close to being a cider by any stretch of the imagination. But Obush here, they do this limited run of Bush Apple. And America, like, took it by storm. It was like... We love this. We're going to buy 30 cases of it, put it in the back of our freaking pickup trucks, take it home. You you would try to go find some, and you could barely find it. So I, I would get lucky if I would find out like a 12-pack every once in a while. I'd grab one. And then they, they try to pull the whole, uh, we're discontinuing them this year. This is it. Uh, they'll be back out this summer. I guarantee you this is a marketing ploy. Why would you do away with a good thing? Enough beer talk. Yes, but on marketing ploy, they do the same thing with the McRib. The McRib, it's the same thing. And you know what else? It just dawned on me, pumpkins. Pumpkins. Why don't? Why can't you have pumpkin spice year round? Oh yeah, well you could if you really wanted to. Right, right. But why? You know, all of a sudden it's oh, you can only get it during the fall. It's all artificial flavoring. It is. It all it's comes in a jug that you pump. This is, this is, this is how our feeble minds work, man. Right. Yeah. Speaking of marketing, nothing like the marketing on an old eighties cassette track. Ah, come on. (laughs) That's what we're here to talk about tonight. Right. That wasn't a bad segue. Let me ask you, do you ever own an eight track? Uh, well, I never personally owned one, but my dad had a pickup truck. Um, when I was a kid that had an eight track player in it. So he had, he had eight tracks. I mean, um, me being a fan of vintage media and still someone that still uses it and cherishes it and appreciates it today. Eight tracks sucked because your songs would stop. Some of your songs might stop in the middle of the song and you would have to you would have to hit the button to flip, you know, reverse the uh, the player and play the other side, so you could finish listening to like the rest of the song. Uh, I mean, I, I appreciate what they were going for, but they didn't really get that right until until cassette tapes. In my personal opinion, <laughs> what about records? Did you own a lot of records growing up? You know what I did? I we we my so my my parents had a um. 
you I'm sure you remember the old 80s household um, stereo systems that had like the dual cassette and then on top they had the record player with like the lid that you could open up and down or like the the transparent lid you know everybody had one like right. sound design made it or you know any of those companies made pioneer made them whatever um but yeah i had a record player as well like in my bedroom and kind of that's like what we started with I and mean, it's showing our age but I mean, yeah that's what we had and um it's funny because i had some notes to to mention tonight like some of the first things i had audio wise as a kid were records and um i remember and you know what i still have it to this day back in the office of the house in a tote of records i still have a tote of records back there uh was chipmunks christmas you yeah that record is still back there with scribble marks from an ink pen that i had made when i was a kid i like scribbled all over it is still back I still have that. It's crazy that I, I do still have it. But um, yeah, I would have. I, I had records. And I listened to them, you know, um, and listened to a lot of my parents' records. Like my dad was big into like uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival, and um, there was a lot of like oldies records, like fifties and sixties. I remember he had the Beatles' Rubber Soul album on vinyl, and yeah, I was always popping them on and listening to them. Um, he showed me how to properly use it, and. Uh, and I, and, I, and I would. And I also remember like borrowing uh, the Beach Boys Endless Summer double record um, from my neighbor and when I was a kid and took it home and put it on, popped the tape in and recorded the album and then gave the record back to him. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, also, I, re- I do remember the, um, Chris says I had the Grease soundtrack on vinyl. Oh, man. The Grease, Grease, I mean, I got that on tape actually. Not yeah, a fan. That's of a it. good soundtrack. I'm not a fan of it. See, I'm not a fan of the. Oh, it's, yeah, but it's, someone it's gave it to good, me. It ended up in a pile good. of stuff that I got, and I was like, I'll keep it. But anyway, so that soundtracks are a whole other subject here. We're going to get, yeah, we're definitely going to get into that. Um, but uh, McDonald's, when we were kids in 1984, when Gremlins was released as a promotional item for Gremlins. Um, mcdonald's had these these records that were like read-along records that came with a book and there were maybe like four of them and in these four books would like sort of document um pivotal scenes in the movie and you could listen to the record and read along with it it would tell you like when to turn the page and you could you know yeah i mean i had those man it was crazy but, but I mean, of course, by this point, we had tapes as well. So, right now, I remember He Man had some records, but yes. the records in those, like the hole in the smaller ones, was like a lot bigger round yeah. than the hole in a traditional record. Mm-hmm. But we had my grandma and my grandpa had the record that you, you lifted up, the big fancy stereo unit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, we had just the single, it was black. It had a clear case that like came down over at record player. Yep. Uh, we were always losing needles, but Ooh. my first experience with a record player in music 
was like one of the albums that you like order off like Time Life, you know. Hey, get all the get all the classic classic uh, comedy songs of the fifties and the sixties in Fun Rock. This four album set. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. <laughs> but it was a four album set or a six album set. I don't know of, of what they called Fun Rock. It had like Monster Mash, Wooly Bully, uh, One Odd One Horn. Flying Purple People Leader, uh, Itsy <laughs> yeah. Bitsy, Teeny Weeny, Yellow Polka Dot Bikini. So yeah. I had all those. And I hang on Snoopy, which for some reason for my entire life, I've thought that was about Snoopy and the Red Baron. But it's not because there was another song on the album that was actually Snoopy and the Red Baron. So it just happened that the S and the Oopy were getting confused with my childhood. Get the L and the N threw you off. They're so close in the alphabet. Right. I mean, you know, you don't use it. They're not that important letters, you know, right? No. N and L can be interchanged. I mean, hell, you could probably use numbers and get the same effect. Why not? Yeah. But uh, uh, those were cool. And I remember the He-Man records. I remember the McDonald's records. Um, So you remember remember the Gremlins? The needle and never getting another needle. Yeah. Yeah, and there goes my record days. Yeah, I mean, so obviously we are the age where we started off with records. That's what we kind of did. Let me ask you this: Uh, Now, when I was a kid, I had several tapes, but it was all uh, it was things like the Smurfs. It was I remember I had the Smurfs cassette, and it was like. uh, it, I, I guess I would parallel it with like Simpsons sing the blues. You know, it was all original songs that the Smurfs would sing, but written specifically for this album. I had I wore that thing out, man. <laughs> and it's funny because I woke up one Saturday morning thinking about that for whatever reason. And I turned to my girlfriend, I'm like, babe, why am I thinking about the Smurfs cassette tape? Blah blah blah, and I, so I'm like, I gotta look this shit up. So I looked it up on YouTube, and the album is on there. I can't even remember what it, what it was called. And I listened to like the first song, and I'm talking, dude. I haven't heard this in like 40 years. Okay. As soon as it started playing and they started singing, I was chiming right in with them, and I was like, how, how do I remember this? How has that stuck with me? And I haven't heard it in so many years. How is that? But yeah, it did. I mean, it was crazy. That's what I had, you know, to listen to growing up. And I also had, I have a prop that I was going to show you. There was some, um, there was some Star Wars books and cassettes. And it was a read along. Like, so you pop the cassette in and the guy would be like, You'll know when it's time to turn the page when you hear R2-D2 beep like this. And then R2-D2 would go, whatever. And Oh, wait, you were cutting out on me. How did R2 go? Well, he would go, or whatever he does. (laughs) And then it was like, let's begin now. And so you would would turn the page. And every time R2 would would make that sound, you would, you know, be your cue to turn the page. But I found this at Half Price Books a couple of years ago, and I had to buy it. It was stupid cheap. This is this is what it was. So you get the it's still in the package. Oh, you get shit. the tape. Yeah, you get the tape up here, and this is a re-release. This is not the original ones I had when I was a kid, but this is after Disney owned it. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, the tape and the book. You read along with the tape. I mean, it's oh, that's super still cool, cool that they even released the tape. 
It is I mean, right. I mean, at this point, I think this was this has a nineteen ninety seven date on it. So did has Disney owned Star Wars that long? I guess they did. Uh, now that would have was Disney on the back of that? Yeah. No, nah, it shouldn't have been that long. Interesting, yeah, it is. Yeah, huh? So weird. I'm um, sure. Uh, yeah, Chris loved your R two impression. So. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, so that's cool. I didn't realize that that um, Star. I don't think I ever had anything Star Wars that was on a tape. What I had though was. The first cassette that I can remember having was a white cassette, and it was Alabama Mountain oh. Music. That we didn't have a lot of lot of other music in the house besides whatever my dad, or obviously whatever my dad and my mom listened to. My mom would listen to some seventies uh, and you know sixties, some of the older stuff, and then my dad was pretty much old country, so it was a lot of Alabama. Travis Tritt, you know, oh, things yeah. like that growing yeah. up. But I remember Alabama and R.E.M. R.E.M., really? No, wait, R.E.M., no, no, never mind. R.E.M.'s later, later. Alabama, my first cassette tape. Okay. I remember Simpson Sings the Blues. That was the one that I hadn't heard in years up until several years ago, and I knew every word Yep, it's weird uh, how as that... well. Yeah. The Ninja Turtles. We talked about that a couple. The coming weeks ago. out of their shells. No, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was a cassette. Oh, you yeah. remember yeah. when you go to Walmart and buy a cassette, and you buy it? And it's in this god awful ladder, <laughs> dude. It's so. I have notes on all everything you're getting ready to say. It's so crazy. Let's run it back to the Alabama thing. My parents, <laughs> my parents had that exact tape. Alabama Mountain Music. Oh, play me some Mountain Music. Yeah. Oh, dude. Bump the shit out of it man like we we it would be like a saturday morning and you would you would wake up and you'd smell furniture polish and breakfast cooking because mom was cleaning the house and cooking breakfast and they had that damn tape on and you wake up to like yeah freaking dixieland delight or something just rocking <laughs> like yeah we yeah y'all yeah we had that i used to burn that up and uh yeah basically let's talk about Things are so different now versus how they were then and how right. you how you obtained your music. And so back then, yeah, you know, you'd have to go physically get it. And you go to Kmart, Walmart, uh, anywhere like that. And then I got so many tapes from Kmart and Walmart. And Hex. Hex. Oh, I'm sure I got tapes from Hex. <laughs> Mostly bought toys from Hex, but I'm glad that you brought Hex up. That's really cool. Um, but yeah, you would have to take them to the counter because they had this ladder looking lock box on them, like a security device. And you had to go take it to the register and get them to use the magnetic thing to take it off. And, but there was something so exciting about going through the aisles and looking alphabetically to try to find your tape that you wanted. And they had it and you were like, ah, oh, and taking it to the counter in that freaking ladder of a box and then popping that off and knowing that that was getting ready to go in your bag and you were taking that home. You know, one of the cool things about the packaging with that, because it was so odd, 
but you could carry more tapes because of that. Because on the end, you could bunch several more up to where you if could. you held them, you wouldn't be able to. You, you could. You could. And you know what's funny is, uh, man, I bought so I bought so many tapes like that. I, I, I'm going to run it back to my first. So I, I mentioned all of these little like the Smurfs and all these little things, but the actual first tape that I ever had that was by like a music group or like an actual band or artist or musician was, um, and I don't know if you remember this group, they're called DeBarge. The name of the family was the DeBarges. So the DeBarge was the, it was, it was a group of brothers and sisters. They had, a, I know you know the song, uh, feel the beat of the rhythm of the night, dancing oh, yeah. in the morning. Okay. So I, 1985 that shit drops and i'm obsessed with it i'm like <laughs> dancing on my bed and i'm like fucking and, and my parents are like okay like i was like dad can y'all i need this tape so sears you know in frankfurt there um back in the day they had they had an electronic section where you could you could buy you could buy tapes and he, um, we went in there one, one day and he picked up the barge rhythm of the night, the album for me. And that was my first ever, um, tape by like an actual, you know, band or a group that, that produced, that, that released albums and did music. And, um, I still have that tape right over here across from me, like three feet away. It's over there. Um, I still have that tape and man. There's a lot of good stuff on that, but of course, that kicked in the door, opened a spiral. Um, Walmart, Kmart, um, Sears, you could get tapes. Um, I don't know if you remember in Frankfurt, we had a place back in Franklin Square called Kitty Hawk Records. Kitty Hawk. Chris Look, he knows, <laughs> he knows about Kitty Hawk. He knows about Kitty Hawk. He had put up there a few minutes ago. Man, oh no shit. Okay, Kitty Hawk. Okay, Kitty Hawk, man. Like that's where if you remember, I don't know if you remember there was a there was like a baseball card shop or something back in Franklin Square. That actually was Kitty Hawk before the you know. see now I remember it when it was the baseball card shop. Yeah, oh that was Kitty Hawk. And and so I would get some stuff over there, but I remember like of course when when I was you you know the obsession with Ghostbusters that we had, right? Like it didn't matter what it was, I had to have it. So naturally, I had to have the Ghostbusters soundtrack to the first movie, and we looked everywhere and we could not find it. We just could not find it. And so my dad had to go to Kitty Hawk and he looked for it. He's like, "We don't have it. Back in special order it for you." And he did. My dad ordered the Ghostbusters tape, and they we had to wait for it to come in. And I just remember the anticipation, like, oh, my God, like, when's it going to be in? He's like, he said it'll be in today. I'm going to go pick it up after work. And I'm like, ah, like, just the little trivial things like that, that, like, meant so much and made such a huge, like, the things that we got excited for because we didn't have access to them the way we do now. Like, it's just, it's so crazy to think about. And let me tell you, when he came home from work that day and he brought that tape in and he handed it to me. It was on Arista Records, and anything that Arista Records did was released in a red tape case, and it just added that much more of a cool factor to 
to the tape look, right? The look of the towel. I was like, oh. And here's the thing. I still, to this day, appreciate physical media. I appreciate tapes. I collect them. I listen to them. VHS tapes, collect them. I watch them. Because here's the thing about, like, cassette tapes. I'm a guy who uses streaming music every single day of my life. But when you have a cassette tape and you know that you like the artist or you know that you like, you're pretty sure you're going to like what's going to be the content of that, of that tape of that album. Tapes sort of force you to listen to that album as a whole, as a cohesive project. You were going to pop it in. You were going to hit play and you're just going to let it run. And you were going to run into songs that maybe you didn't even know that you would care about by this artist or this group or on this soundtrack or whatever, but you came across it because I mean, yeah, you can fast forward and rewind and try to get to your favorite spot, but like, who's going to like, who's going to take this out? Just, just pop it in and let it roll. And that's how you discover the beauty of and the lost art of a, um, a cohesive album and a project. And while that's playing on your radio, you pop open the, the sleeve out of the, out of the case and you open it up and you read the liner notes and the tape, insert has that smell to it i mean it's just all a lost art really is man right and, uh, yeah man yeah no i remember uh now growing up we you know we had some tapes around the house and it would be whatever mom and dad bought if i saved allowance you know i could i could buy certain cassettes uh but the majority of my tape cassettes i remember it was much cheaper to buy a sleeve of five or six oh, blank, yeah. ta uh, blank tapes, throw those in your box, yeah. and then wait for something to come on the radio. Yeah, yeah. But Did I am too? pretty sure that I had MC Hammer. I remember, I remember buying that, and I'm pretty damn sure Millie Vanilli was on cassette as well. Oh yeah, I've got it. Yeah. That was that was cassette. That wasn't a, that we weren't to CDs at that point. Yeah. Um, well, I think we were. We were CDs. Excuse me, CDs came out in like the mid '80s, man. They came out a lot sooner than you think. Well, I'm thinking of when me out in Podunk. Oh yeah, I definitely. Did. <laughs> now listen, look, we can go on and use that as a segue um, to CDs because that was hot shit right when it came out, and we were. Oh. I can tell. What you, was your first CD? I was going to say I can tell you my first CD. So we were we were a late bloomer family to get in like a CD player, and uh, I remember, oh, it was probably Walmart. I don't know, um, and I think it was somewhere up here in Lexington. Like we had made a trip out, whatever, got a CD player, stereo, whatever. And my dad was like, "All right, so like, you kids, you all can pick out like one CD each, whatever." And so I was, I was big into like sixties music then as I am now. And I'll tell you why I was a side note. There was a radio station here um, in Lexington called Elise 103.3. It's something that I happened across as a kid on my own, just sort of took to it, listened to it like constantly on the daily. And it just sort of opened my, 
adore and appreciation to 60s music. I still love it today. And so it's mostly what I listen to, that and like 80s stuff. But um, my first CD pick was, and I think I was kind of misled because I didn't, I didn't read it right, but it was a, um, a string quartet tribute to the Beatles. I can still remember there was a purple, the cover was purple and in like this really elegant cursive writing, it was like a string quartet to the <laughs> Beatles. And I was like, the Beatles just get it. Like that's your, and then I took it home and I was like, what the fuck, what is this? And um, I didn't listen to it very much at all. And then, and then we started getting into the whole, like the whole, like, death trap of columbia house and and B, uh, bmg and oh about 10 cds for 25 cents cool like oh yeah yeah we did that we did yeah, that yeah we, we probably still owe them definitely that. paid every single one of those bills and definitely do not owe any money to columbia house or any entities that may now own columbia house me either we paid yeah. you guys off we were we were all we fair are, and square but I got a lot of CDs from Columbia House. Uh, <laughs> yeah. My first CD, my brother was the real big music head in the family. So he was always, he didn't live with us uh, where we lived at, but he was always the one who was more up to date with music and things like that. So he was the first one I ever met that had CDs. See, had a walk, you know, CD players and Walkman's first and, yeah. you know, the tape Walkman first. But uh, he gave me my first CDs. And it was Allison Chains. And then it was a uh, Porno for Pyrus single. Porno for, yeah, Porno for Pyros. And it was uh, Pets. Yeah, which yeah, I we'll love that pets. song. Well, yeah. And it dawned on me the other day, me and Wendy were laying in bed. And I was like, oh, shit. It just popped into my head. Hadn't thought about it in 20 plus years. Yeah. It popped into my head. So I instantly, you know, just look it up on YouTube and put that on. And uh, it was, you know. Yeah. Good time reminiscing, but um, oh, yeah. REM was uh, was big for me back in the day. Um, one tape I forgot to mention, and I would be very upset if I did not, was WrestleMania, the album. See, I remember that, but I, that I was on cassette. Yeah. Uh, and I remember buying that. Now was this the one that had all the all the theme songs on it, or no? This is the no, one that had Macho Man singing. It had Bret Hart singing a song. Did that have Junkyard Dog singing "Grab Them Cakes"? Grab no, I don't them think cakes. it may have. It may have. That sounds about right, man. Grab them cakes is that joint. <laughs> Grab them cakes. So uh, in CD form. Now I had all the WWE. You know, I still have that all in my. On my phone i've adapted really well to the way music has progressed over the years but cds you were talking about long form artists cds gave us the ability to skip and yes. just start microwave society all started with the cd because you didn't have to listen the other 12 minutes to the three songs before your fourth song yeah you didn't and i love cds and i, I love it i mean i love i love being able to skip when i want just the same as I love streaming music, you know, but I also do love the appreciation of popping in a tape and checking the whole album out for what it's worth. So yeah, man, so, CDs, huge game changer. I mean, so now, let me ask you with the, with the advent of CDs, I went a lot more at that point, uh, outside of Columbia house. Uh, but when I would go, 
you know, buy a CD. I went a lot more to the singles at that point. That was when I'd, I'd noticed that I will collect a lot more just individual songs because I could buy four songs for the price of eight songs, but I would listen to four songs. I never really bought singles. There was a very few that I had. If, if I knew like that a, a band or a group or whoever that I liked was putting out an album, I was going to get it because I knew I was going to like it. So I just never even bothered with the singles and just went ahead and got the, got the full album. So, yeah. So now, how often do you pop in a CD nowadays? You know what? I pop, Believe it or not, I pop in tapes these days more often than I pop in a CD. I don't totally believe it. Yeah, I have ton, I have tons of CDs in my car, but I never really I never really I mostly Bluetooth up and and you know, but I'm also at the age where I'm like, just turn on the radio and turn it down like really low and drive <laughs> with it like whatever you know. Yeah, I know it's um, but yeah, no, I don't um, it's rare when I'm like I have the CD and I'm gonna pop it in right now. So you remember how unsafe it was to drive in the 90s and oh, the early because, 2000s? Well, because you had a CD book that you had to flip through and decide what you wanted to listen to, right? So, Right. I got four, four of those down here. Not like the little books. I'm talking the big, thick books because oh, I got big... mine and Wendy's. Yeah. I got four of those down there and then a box that has a shoebox full of cassettes but then it's got a box full of CDs on those round spirals that you would buy the blank DVD oh, or CDs. Yeah, the spindle. Yeah. yeah. We carry those in. Visor. You know, you pull down the visor. Oh, yep. Five CDs fall off the visor. Yep. Eight of them are in the rack, followed yep. by the other 16 that are stuffed behind them because it's a good idea to scratch all your CDs. Sure, yeah. While you're eating Subway in a manual shift pickup truck, popping cds in and out of your and then they want to be like well cell phones are a distraction right no i agree no then let me tell you about every cd case that's in my car like if you pick up for example like i know for a fact that i have phil collins no jacket required cd in my car if you pick that case up and you open it up phil collins no jacket required will not be in there it will be like diana ross and the supremes greatest hits it's like, why is that in there? Where's the Phil Collins CD? <laughs> it's in another case. Like, I don't know how this happens. Do you still have cases? I do. Yeah. I yeah, don't I have well, cases. I don't have most, cases. Most of my CDs. I'd say like 90% of my CDs still have cases, but I don't. Yeah. I got an 80s greatest hit that has a case, but that's because me and Wendy got it a few years ago for Christmas. Nice. Okay. We, it was, it's it, a really good CD. It's a, like a two CD set. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the cases are the same as the. Hold on, hold on. We got we cassettes before they went out had a technology that would stop in between each song when fast forwarding or rewinding if there was a second or two silence between each song. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. The more you know, and knowing's half the battle. I did not know that. No, I didn't. Um, I can tell you this. Uh, do you have? Did you ever own a cassette tape that uh, you would hit play at the beginning of the tape and they go? No. You never heard those heard heard those tones at the uh, beginning of your tapes. No. 
the only time you would have heard them are on, and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure, a tape that had the XDR um, logo on them. Because what that was, was a frequency test to make sure that you got the best quality sound. Now, I don't know the inputs and outs of this. I could not tell you what that entails. But it was like a tone test to make sure that you were going to get like the best quality of your tape and um, sound quality. And uh, I only noticed the certain tapes I have. I can tell you one tape for sure that I have um, that does that is the California Raisin Sweet, Delicious, and Marvelous, <laughs> which I picked up at Walmart when I was a kid out of like the $2 bin, and I still have that tape. Oh, my uh, God. You remember the California Raisins musical? Like the Christmas special. Uh, oh yeah, I had a t look. I know a person. I'm fr I'm friends with a person. I'm not going to mention them. I let them borrow this tape years and years and years and years ago. It was all Christmas episodes recorded from that year that the California Raisins Christmas special debuted on on TV. It was on CBS, and it aired right after the Garfield Christmas special, and we recorded it. I let them borrow it and I have not, I'm never going to get that tape back. But there was just so much heat throughout that tape. It was like, this is dope. This is dope. And uh, yeah, I don't have it anymore. It had commercials in it. It had all that shit in it. It was good. One of my favorite Christmas songs is specifically because of the California Raisins is the only reason that I like the song. But they had... Which one is it? Which one are you going to well, say? Well, I don't know. You mentioned this on our Christmas songs episode, but oh, you I never told me did. which one it was. You didn't, yeah. Star uh, Star of Wonder. Oh, with the camels. Yeah, they had the camels singing it. I just okay. thought that was the funniest shit ever. Here's the deal. I don't like that. Something about it creeps me out. The camels singing? <laughs> I remember, yes. I remember being a kid and that coming on. And... uh and just being like creeped out by it. And it's not set right with me since. I don't know. There's something I don't like about it. Yeah, it's real weird. But I know exactly what you're talking about. The three wise men and they had their camels. And they would sing We Three Kings. And then the camels would pop in and go, Star of wonder, <laughs> star of night. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, no. It creeps, totally creeps me out, man. Uh, oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. So anyways, I love that. The California Raisins were great. Oh you yeah, know, I love them. Uh, had a big toy line, a big music. I mean, hell, they advertised raisins for years by singing "Heard It Through the Grapevine." For for yeah. many many years of my life, I thought that's who sang "Heard It Through the Grapevine." Right? Like I who's had Marvin no Gaye? It was anybody else? Who's Marvin Gaye? I know the raisins did it. That, that's their song. <laughs> you know what's what, what's super cool about this this raisins tape that I have is um, well, you remember the Walmart that was over in Frankfurt where Elder Beerman was, right? Uh -huh. That That's the Walmart to end all Walmarts, if you ask me personally. But um, yeah, we got it out of there one night. And the cool thing about this, the, it, it's all Motown covers. But it's done, of course, it's marketed as the California Raisins did it. But like, whoever the studio band is that did these songs are on fire. Like, there's probably 20 people in this band. Singers, sax players all this i mean they they killed it but it, 
when I was a kid in my mind, no, nah, it, was, it was no studio band. That was the California Raisins doing it, man. Yeah, I, I think yeah. to this day, I would still probably lean to Like, I don't, oh, th- yeah, yeah I just think of the of raisins. raisins doing it. Yeah. Like, that's what I like to visualize in my head. But, but yeah. Yeah, man. So, um, who who are your biggest musical inspirations um grow you know from the from the 80s and 90s i'll give you give you two parts there uh man i'm big you know i'm duran duran is my favorite band like i think th- there's been many times and many in my life where i've called a band um i remember okay that he's talking about the old yeah i used to go down there i used to go down there um no um Duran Duran is my like all-time favorite band like for me to be able to call them my favorite for so many I'm talking 20s plus years now I say it's safe to say that they're they're sealed in as my favorite band um Big Into Prince um Depeche Mode Tears for Fears uh Howard Jones the Thompson Twins um god I could go on and on um So many, so it's just so many. Um, Culture Club, I really like Culture Club's music. Uh, Boy George is a hell of a singer. I mean, uh, you know, um, 90s, when we talk 90s, I, I, that was a game changing. The, the 90s opened, here's the deal. I didn't get into 80s music until I was older. Much later than I was when I discovered 90s music. So 90s music for me was really, I found it like at the right age. I was 13, 14. Bands like Nirvana and Soundgarden were coming out. Um, you know, you had Weezer dropping their first album. Um, you had uh, I mean, Nine Inch Nails. I mean, uh, REM. I got into REM big back then. I mean, it was just there was so much of that stuff that was coming out of the nineties. And that's when I think I really started finding my identity with music. Um, and yeah, I mean, that, that, those were my big ones when I was a kid and everyone was a teenager rather. And, uh, and then of course, after Nirvana disbanded and Foo Fighters came out, and I'm not big on Foo Fighters now, but like, those first like four Foo Fighters albums are really good. And when I found out that Dave Grohl from Nirvana was, he had a new band and he was, but you know, that first album, I was just like all over it, man. I picked it up immediately. Rage Against the Machine was a big one. I was huge in Rage Against the Machine. Um, started finding hip hop. So Wu Tang was big. I was huge into Wu Tang. Uh, Beastie Boys, I was huge into. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, uh, I could go on and on, man. But <laughs> yeah, the 90s really brought my brought my taste out. I think I started finding what I really liked. So now I know a lot of the 80s was a lot of country. Uh, a lot of the 90s, a lot of the early 90s was a lot of country. A lot of mm-hmm. Alabama, George Jones, Garth Brooks, Trisha Yearwood. Garth was, Garth was huge in the early 90s. Dude, Garth was huge for country, man. Oh yeah, uh, I mean he he revived country. I think when it was kind of dead. Yeah, really that was did. my first concert I ever went to was was a Garth Brooks concert in Rupp Arena. Really, and we had the distinction to be the first time that the song "Unanswered Prayers" was sang in a closed arena. 
No kidding. And therefore, I thought, well, that could be really bad <laughs> because everyone else has showed a lot more reverence than us, you know, here in Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, but he said it was really cool. And it went on one of the albums that he'd done on that tour that he released. So I know somewhere out there, there's me and 30,000 other people singing unanswered prayers. So that version made it to a, on, made it to a cut on a CD because he said he was very impressed that that was the first stadium that he had, he had had that, that was closed that sang the song. Um, I tell you what, one of the bands of the nineties. Now the nineties were interesting because mid nineties, I really started finding a rhythm as far as music outside of country and old, you know, older eighties. I loved eighties music. I love soundtracks, footloose, um, anything that had a real funky beat to it. I was all about. Yeah. So mid nineties, I started discovering a lot of the earlier bands, a lot of the grunge movement that I'd missed out on the beginning of. Um, but it was funny cause me and my brothers, I have three brothers, all different ages. And at individual times in our life, all four of us had wound up being huge juggalos and liked ICP. <laughs> and so there was a lot of insane clown posse that went through the family, but none of us really knew. It was just one of those things that we all found out, oh shit, we all four have this in common. And uh, I remember owning several of the... Uh, of the cards that ICP dropped for a few years there. Uh, I think they had seven, if I'm not mistaken. And I used to bump that a lot uh, in high school and right out of high school, along with some, my all-time favorite band is Hootie and the Blowfish. And that's a very... You know what? They're a good band. essential 90s. They're a good band. And Darius yeah. Rucker's a hell of a country singer, too. He is, yeah. He's he's dropping a lot of country albums, and they're really fantastic. And I love the Blues Travelers. Blues oh, Travelers blues and Travelers, Hootie yeah, were what Travelers, I brought. Yeah. yeah, man, yeah. Fish. I'll tell you. I don't know if you ever I'll listen to Fish. Dude, I'm, yeah, I'm not into them, man. Oh, I love Fish, man. I know. You mentioned that before. Um, No, I, I don't. Uh, not, I'm not really into them. Um, I'll tell you another band. Well, I could do. I could. I don't know how I didn't mention these. Uh, White Zombie was huge. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh, oh. On what is he unsubscribing over fish? I think it's on the Hootie and the Blowfish. Which fish is it, Chris? We we, we have to Hootie know. Or fish, fish. Because yeah, uh, they're both fish. I I didn't realize that. Maybe maybe Chris just doesn't like seafood. That's probably it could be it. Probably didn't have the Little Mermaid soundtrack either. Mm. Oh, ICP. ICP. Oh. God, Chris, he didn't he didn't, he didn't listen to that now. Oh, uh, yeah, it's right here. Oh, <laughs> Chris, I'll see you, man. I'll see you in I'll see you in some other platform, man. Because I'm out of here too. I'll see y'all. <laughs> <laughs> um no uh yeah. Uh, yeah, I White Zombie was big. I was I was really big into White Zombie. Collective Soul. I was huge I like into Soul. Collective Soul, man. Loved them. Um, and they're still great. They're still going. They're still putting out albums. They're still touring, releasing new music. I mean, and they're still great. Uh, I could go on and on with the nineties. I, I 
Alanis Morissette. Love that. Oh love my that, love that jagged little pill album, man. God, garbage. that's such a whole, that whole album's fantastic. Dude, that jagged little pill. Let me tell you, I am. There was one Christmas I asked for some CDs for Christmas and I asked for specific ones and, and I ended up getting that, that same Christmas. I got Soundgarden Super Unknown. Fucking great album. Um, Alanis Morissette, Jagged Little Peel, R.E.M.'s Monster. And um, for whatever reason, I asked for Steve Miller Band's Greatest Hits. I don't know why, but I did. I just, uh, nothing. Was, nothing wrong with Steve Miller Band? No, no. Um, yeah. And uh, and then, if we want to run it back to Columbia House days, I remember one summer, we, my mom was like, yeah, you know, you can get some CDs. I got um, I got Nirvana, Nevermind. I got Nine Inch Nails, The Downward Spiral. What else did I get that summer? I think I got like, I was, I was getting into Aerosmith, so I got like Aerosmith's... Um, Big ones albums or something like you remember that yeah yes the big ones so yeah. I let me tell you a story so nineteen ninety three or ninety four ish in that time frame somewhere in the early nineties that album is released on CD mm. me and my now wife are fourteen thirteen you know somewhere somewhere in that age hanging out at her grandmother's house. I never listened to Aerosmith or anything. And the only reason I like anything to do with Aerosmith is because of Wendy. But I remember, and it freaked her out because we had lost touch for 16 years uh, and hadn't spoken to each other before we got together. And it's because you went through that ICP phase. Pro probably because the insane. It's like, you know what? I don't want to give this time to cool off. But. So uh, I remember sitting out on Owington Road with her. And we would listen to Get a Grip by Aerosmith. And we were talking the other day, and uh, one of the songs came on, the more popular song from it. And it had the album cover with the, you know, the cow teats and all that mm -hmm. shit on it. And she was like, are you sure that was the one? I'm like, yeah, because that's the one that has the song Eat the Rich. Eat the Rich, yeah. It's the only thing they're good for. Eat the Rich. Yeah. But I remember, and I embarrassed her a little bit. I was like, I remember you jamming out so hard to that song when we were hanging out outside on the on the picnic table. And I was like, that's the only time I ever heard that song. It's not like that got, to my knowledge, played on the radio or anything. And I never owned it. Uh, but yes, I have a very fond memory to that particular album and never, yeah. ever has it graced my collection. Yeah, big ones, man. I mean, I don't have it anymore, but I definitely got it. Got it through Columbia House back in the day. Um, and you know what? I think in that same batch, I got Green Day Dookie. And I wore oh, Green Day Dookie. Album. Now, let me tell you something. I had the tape before I had the CD of Green Day Dookie. And I was listening to it one day. Summer break, I was home alone. Everybody was at work or out somewhere, whatever. I was home alone. Had the tape in. Fell asleep on the couch and listened to it. Several minutes later, I was awakened by audio that I thought had stopped. And this was the very first time that I had ever discovered a hidden track on an album. You know, people do that all the time. They used to do that all the time. Hidden tracks. 
there was an acoustic song called "All by Myself," and it's about masturbating. But uh, it's by it's it's on it's at the end of the of, of the uh, Dookie album. And I took a nap on the couch, and I woke up, and I was like, "It scared the shit out of me." I was like, "What? What? What is going on?" And there was this song. I thought the tape had stopped, and that was the first time I'd ever um, known of the hidden track. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I got that. I got that CD. Um, that batch too so it was a good summer for music yeah green day haunts me every september <laughs> yeah i bet they do you um, gotta wake them up you gotta wake them up right better do it before it ends too yeah so um you mentioned one band earlier that i want to touch on real quick you mentioned weezer started dropping albums one weezer album in particular the teal album which is absolutely amazing I got a question. Where do you stand on when a band covers someone else's songs? Where do you stand on that? And is it ever better than the original? It can be. And I will tell, I will tell you this. Um, let me start just by saying, like, I'm not really into anything Weezer did after their Maladroit album, which was like 2000, 2001. So their first four albums or so to me are like just primo. And that's, it became really corny to me. Like, I don't know. They just started writing some really whack shit. I mean, that's just personal opinion. Um, if you love Weezer, good for you. Like, you should embrace whatever you like. But personally, didn't like them after Maladroit. Now, I know you're going to, you're going to, I know you that you're referring to Toto's Africa cover. I, I am, yeah. They 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 did a really good job. Where's it going, guys? He ran off. I don't hear him. I am left to talk to you um, because he is he is gone. I feel like maybe I heard a dog barking. He's back. There he is. There yeah, he no, is. I'm still here. Yeah, my dog's right. barking. Uh, yeah, I heard a dog. So yeah, uh, they did a really. They, I will give it to them. They did a really good job with the Africa cover. Um, really good job. Um. Still not a fan of whatever they're releasing, but they did a great cover of that song. Now, um, there is one. There's one instance that comes to mind when, uh, when I think, can a cover be better than the original artist? And I can't believe I'm even saying it. You wouldn't think it. Look, I don't know. Look, I love Prince. I worship Prince. I think Prince is like one of the greatest men. He had an album in 1987 called Sign of the Times. And the title track, Sign of the Times, was was a single for him. It was a big hit. And he was it was a great song. Chaka Khan does a cover of it on an album, I think sometime in the 2000s called Funk This. And uh I gotta be honest with you. If you were to lay her version out in front of me or Prince's and say, which one of these Sign of the Times versions do you want to listen to? I'm going Chaka Khan's every single time because she absolutely amps it up and kills it. So, sorry, Prince. R.I.P. Love you, man. But Chaka Khan, you put that in the bag, baby. So, yeah. You like ABBA? You know what? I like ABBA, man. I, I like, like ABBA. ABBA. 
I'm in on it. SOS. SOS is the jam. Funny, because I was going to mention that. It's the jam. SOS is covered by Fozzie. <laughs> really? And, yes. And it's really good. I'm not going to go as far as say it's better than the original. But it's really, like, really good. It's not just like, oh, they did a good job. If they released that, like, I mean, it was on one of their CDs. But if they, like, pushed it. It was a big no, really deal. All right, so keep on. Dog. I gotta let my dog out. I'll be right back. Keep going. He's he's going to go ahead. He's letting the dog out. I can't believe I'm sitting here talking to you guys about ABBA. Well, what's a guy to do? Um, I'm really hoping that the door he has to let the dog out of is really close by, and that he will be back very soon. Um, <laughs> If anybody's uh, watching, throw me a bone here. Let's have a convo. Um, boy, yeah. What are your favorite songs by ABBA? Waterloo's another great one. Waterloo's really good. Uh, Take a Chance on Me. Love it. Great song. Dancing Queen. I like it enough. Uh, it's fine. Dwight, hurry back. There he is. I was I was uh, taking a poll on what everybody's favorite ABBA songs were. So, uh, My favorite ABBA <laughs> song is Take a Chance on Me. I mentioned Take a Chance. Look, that's a great song, man. That is, it a is chance, a great take song. A chance, take, a, take a chance, chance, take a chance. Oh, yeah, that's the jam, man. Have you Waterloo. ever seen the, the movie? No, I never did. Mama Mia, no, I never yeah, did. Yeah, it's really good. Did. It's good. Yeah. You, should, you should watch it. Yeah. Good date movie. Is it? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's solid. I okay. mean, as far as musical goes, yeah, it's not Chicago. Have you ever seen yeah. Chicago? I never saw Chicago. Oh, dude, you need to see Chicago. Great soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, okay. really good movie. I went okay. and seen it on Broadway. I like I oh, like the I movie that, that much cool. that I bet that is cool to see it on Broadway. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, but yeah, check out Fozzie SOS. Hello, and uh, that's that's pretty good. And he he does a few Aussie songs that are really good. Fozzie does like, Aussie. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. how they started. Oh, well. Fozzie Aussie. Oh. Um, shit, what was I gonna? Oh, do you like Tenacious D? Honestly, I'll be right back. Uh, guys, I mean. <laughs> How many times can my co-host really leave me hanging? Like, I don't even know what to say at this point. Um, well, I just hope that you guys are having a great night. And I'm going to take another sip of Bush Light. Because, uh, well, spoiler alert. I don't like Tenacious D. Um, yeah, it's not into it, man. But uh, of course, I'll have to explain all this to Dwight when he comes back. Yeah. There's Dwight. So, so Dwight. recovery from the Tenacious D. I dropped a spoiler alert while you were gone. Oh, I missed it. You, well, because you were gone. Uh, but here's the, here's a spoiler alert. I'm going to give it to you now. I'm going to give you my answer. <sighs> I don't like Tenacious D. Oh my gosh. Here's the thing. I can appreciate those guys because I do know that they're talented musicians and uh, 
I don't, uh, like, I don't hate them, but I just don't think it's my bag. It's just not my thing. Uh, so here's a really cool story. So you're familiar with them. You know the band. Oh, you, I know. Yeah. Of course, you know some yeah. of the songs. Yeah. So they had the song Tribute. Yeah. Greatest song in the world. It's a tribute to the greatest song in the world. Yeah. So my daughter, I have that on my, I have several Tenacious D songs on my phone. So she comes across this and she plays tribute and she instantly loves the song. So we're down in Florida last year on vacation and we had rented out a boat and the dude's driving it and they let you hook up your Bluetooth player to it. And so we're like, you know, we're enjoying the sights. So I give my phone to Ava here, honey, you play your music. So she plays a lot of really cool music. She's introduced me to so much music in the last yeah. five years. Um, but she picks out Tenacious D tribute and the dude driving the boat turns around and he's like, Oh yeah, man, you, this is awesome. Y'all rock. And I'm like, that's not us. It's she picked it. And I pointed over at little five-year-old Ava sitting there and he's like, are you serious? And he's like, this is your song. And she's like, yeah, it's my song. It's, and he's like, you are the coolest little girl I've ever met in my life. And so we rocked out to Tenacious D tribute as we're going down on the a boat ocean out of, outside yeah. of the coast of Florida. Okay. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So that, that was a good Tenacious D story. Yeah. So another story is one night I come in and Ava's got YouTube up. She has the song Judas by Fozzie and she has that song up on YouTube. Now that's directly influenced by me, obviously. However, she didn't know I was recording and I get, and she's, they got this one part where it goes down real low and then they raise it back up, but she's in there and she just completely rocks out to it, knows every word to the song. Um, but like I said, she's such an old soul as she'll listen to sixties, you know, seventies, uh, she likes several 80 songs we'll be going through and she'll just, Oh no, I like this song and we'll stop on it. And as I look at Wendy, I'm like, we've never let her listen to this. That's, cool. um, that's good. I mean, that's cool. That and she's... I'm experiencing so much more music now than I really ever have in my life, which is really cool. Uh, have you ever heard of a band called AJR? Mm -mm. You should check them out. They're, they're somebody that I kind of thought might actually be up your alley. Really? Yeah, and they're a new band, and they do some really good, really good musics and uh, some really good collabs with a few people. Okay, AJR. Yeah. I'll check them out. Yeah. So is there anything that you listen to that's new, like that you like someone in the last decade, and you're like, man, they're really good, or are you – because before Ava, I was locked off. I was like, nope, my music stopped. 98 99 right about there i was done uh i i couldn't tell you like immediately offhand but like there are i mean obviously i mean there's 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 good there's still good music going on man i mean it, it's um i think there always will be um it might the the course might have changed a little bit over the years but i mean there's still people really see it like I, I, i'm not a huge fan by any means and i only heard a few songs but like uh and i never thought i would say it but um 
people like uh, Harry Styles, man. Like, oh no, he's good. If I hear Harry Styles shit, I'm like, yo, like that knocks. Like, I'm down with it. Or, um, <clears throat> you know, um, there's um, like I'm trying to rack my brain right now, like. There's a there's a singer songwriter named Arlo Parks. She's really good. Um, there's uh, I'm not big on the Black Keys. I don't know if you ever heard of the Black Keys, but mm-hmm. um, the guy, one of the guys from the Black Keys, has a new project with um, some members of Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings, and um, they're called the Arcs. And uh, they have a new single out called eyes and i've been really big into that song lately like um uh yeah man i mean there's there's just i, I there's so much i mean there's so much stuff out there in a world full of shit music there's still a lot of great people like releasing some really good stuff and i mean i would have i would have to sit and think i could make you a list but i mean like uh you know yeah, there's there's good stuff still going on, and just when I think that the uh, the whole art of getting together with your friends and starting a band and fiddling around with instruments together and trying to come up with songs and trying to create your thing, like just when I think that might be dead, like every once in a while I'll hear something and I'm like, God, you know what the the rock band might be like few and far between, but it's still out there. It's still there. Um, uh, and uh, of course, there's a lot of good R&B stuff out and a lot of good, a lot of good. There's still some good rap out there. And I mean, you just got to. The, the thing about it is, is that when we were teenagers and we were kids, like. All that good stuff was more prominent and more mainstream and more easily accessible back then because that was your big stuff like it's not as accessible now it's like not as not as known now but like it's definitely still alive it's out there but you just you just might have to dig a little deeper to find it but i think there's There's always going to be some some good spirits carrying on carrying on good music fighting the good fight so yeah plenty plenty of those still out there fighting on and and making really good music there's there's a lot of bands i like more music from today than i probably liked over the last 20 you know since the early 2000s a lot I'll of agree stuff with now you. is better now country sucks oh country is the worst right now it's it's awful it's, it's the worst uh, man but it i love good country since... man i love good country but it's just not it's not good right now it's just yeah it's not since the 90s it's it's never been any good yeah. Uh, what What's your favorite soundtrack? If you were to get into a car right now and you were going to put on a soundtrack, what soundtrack are you putting on? I got a few, man. I got a few. I got a, I got a toss between here. I love the Beverly Hills Cop soundtrack, the first one. There is so much heat on that damn soundtrack. But also, Footloose is a big one. I'm big yes. on the Footloose soundtrack, man. Huge on the Footloose soundtrack. Uh, Top Gun is nothing but bangers the top gun soundtrack is just so good um (sighs) 
Th those might be my like top top three top tier soundtracks, man. Um, right. But I could go on and on with them. But if you're asking what my favorites are, those are those are probably it. So here's the tough question, and here here's where we're gonna gonna wrap everything up. All so right. you have to pick. You're going to a deserted island. You have to take one, and we'll at least make it a greatest a greatest hits album. Who's Who's the band that you're going to make a greatest hits album, and that's all you get to listen to? I'm going. I'm listen. Everybody that knows me now has heard me in interviews, has heard me talk about them, whatever, whatever. I'm going Duran Duran because Duran Duran's greatest album, which is their greatest hits that came out in like 99, 2000, 2001, uh, it's just full of heat. I mean, it is just like, that's all. I mean, that is literally quintessential Duran Duran right there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going Duran Duran greatest is the album I'm going with. So. Great choice. I could be, I could get by on that, uh, on that album. So. I would go with Alabama. You're Greatest going out. Hits. That's not Alabama. Dude, that's not a bad dude. You couldn't go wrong there either. Now they have, they actually have their two or three greatest hits albums and all three of them are really, really solid. Yeah. Um, outside of that, Jason, do you have any, any final lyrics to, to whimsy us with musically wise? I do not. I just, uh, I think we've covered all the bases that we've talked about, uh, that we've wanted to talk about rather. Uh, but with, uh, I mean, this is, this is how things were when we were growing up. So it was, it was fun and, uh, we appreciated, I think things more back then than, than maybe we do now with, uh, pulling up Pandora or Spotify or whatever, and just go ahead and skip it, skipping through and whatever. Like I did, I think with, I think that we learned to appreciate music a lot more, um, then because we were not necessarily forced to listen to it, but we sat down and put a record or a tape on and appreciated all that it entailed. So, yeah. All right. So where, where can everybody find you at? Where can they listen to, to all the records you be spinning nowadays? <laughs> form? Oh man. Nah, Jason Shepard artworks. Uh, you see right here on the screen. That's how you spell it underneath me with the X, uh, Jason Shepard artworks on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, be sure to listen to my other podcasts with Matt and Luke Cosley. Uh, check out the lost art of, and, um, we, uh, we try to drop one a month there. So, um, you can hear that on all of your favorite podcast streaming platforms. And, uh, yeah. What about you? So make sure you check that out. Drop them a good old subscribe on your, your podcast catcher of choice. You, of course, can catch us at anywhere social medias at Powerbomb Nation, iTunes, Stitcher Radio. You hear the Culture Cast. You'll also hear the Do or Do Not, a Star Wars podcast, which comes to you tomorrow night at a special time of 930. Uh, that is my fault because I have to work a little later than normal, but make sure you turn in live for 9 30 as we talk some star wars scuttlebutt and uh remember powerbomb nation is a subsidiary of powerbomb digital uh culture cast is a product of powerbomb nation podcasting network 
Follow, like, subscribe, share with your friends, join in the conversation. Let us know all your thoughts. What was your first record? What was your first tape? What was your first CD? What was all that stuff that we talked about tonight? What was your experiences? Let us know in the comments below. And uh, until next time, peace out.